This is Unbeaten here on WMUA 91.1 FM. Today is Tuesday, December 4th. We got a great show, so let's get things started. All right, welcome into the studio. It's Ryan Beaton alongside Cam Seibert today. We are in the Dave Strader Memorial Sports Studio, and yesterday we rode out to Northeastern. We had the pleasure. We did. A little uh, hour and a half car ride, maybe? maybe. Completely worth it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was actually, we ended up seeing a buzzer beater, game-winning shot, but unfortunately it was not at the hands of a UMass player. In my broad, first one of my broadcasting career, uh, even though I was on the color and yeah, didn't I get mean, to scream. <laughs> I think I would have to say the same. Honestly, we'll, we, should, we should drop the clip right here. Let the, let the fans experience this call. Got to run up the, run up the floor. Walks counting down. Seven seconds. Balls in the hands of Lydell. Gets it off to McCoy, who gets the easy two. Still time on the clock. Two seconds left. They pull the Huskies. Nail it for the game winner. Wow. That's number 15, Shannon Todd, with the buzzer beater win as the Minute Women will walk off the court in the toughest loss this season. And Cabot is on their feet. Yeah, fans are no longer on the edge of their seats. They are on the court now. They're on their feet. So pretty electric stuff right there. That is like, literally the only word that comes to mind is electricity. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We were both just like, not only like was the energy there, but we were both just stunned. It was like, well, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. And part of it is like just the way it happened. I was reading uh, Evan Marinovsky's yeah, I was game recap. and skim that as well. Yeah, reading through kind of what Coach said. And like, he's right. They got that layup and it like seemed over. Both teams didn't have timeouts at the end of the game, but it seemed over. Yeah. They were kind of celebrating. The bench was so excited. And I think a few players on the court kind of took a second to celebrate because it seemed over. And then, sure enough, presence of mind by the Huskies to pass it in, get it up court quick. Jenko made that pass to Todd. She was like a few steps beyond the three-point line. Me and you both said it. When it got in the air, yeah, it looked it clean. was down. We were like, oh, it no. It looked clean. But still, it was just so we were, shocking because, yeah. From our angle, she shot like right in, like directly in front of us. And like you could just see like when she pulled, like she just pulled it perfectly. And uh, also, I think you brought up a good point. Like I kind of forgot, but Jenko was the one that hit. Was it – she hit a three-pointer right before that, Huge, too. Yeah, like 15 seconds yeah. left inbound, got an open look that she just happened to knock down. So, like, without even her making that, it's like it wouldn't, yeah. the game would have even – And then UMass, added. no timeouts, comes back down, makes the layup. Yeah, just I know. crazy. It was – yeah. Haley made a really good pass on that play, too. <laughs> she did. It was, like, honestly, Risky like – Risky pass. And Asia wasn't even that open. She kind of just lofted it up there. Asia, like, reeled it in. Yeah. And then – The layup had to go down. Yeah, I mean, like – I feel like they sometimes miss a lot of easy layups, too, so that could have been... That game, they had missed a few. Yeah, that could have been an easy miss, but Asia nailed it. And then, I don't know, I mean, they got back on defense, but it's just, like, kind of a freak thing, I guess. Like, I, you don't yeah. want to call it luck. You don't want to call it luck, but, like, she was, she whoever, was like, pretty open. Yeah, she, the shot wasn't that... Like, whoever was stopping ball just probably didn't expect her to pull up from so far. I know, yeah. She, she did she, shoot from, like, at least, like, three feet yeah, behind the arc. I'd say three feet, yeah. Yeah, it was... It wasn't, like, insanely deep. No, but no, but still. It was enough room that, like, it wasn't contested. and Yeah, it was crazy. She's like, I, I, like, honestly, there was so much going on during the call that I wasn't even really 
paying attention to her specifically, but like watching back the clip, she's like she doesn't even know what to do. She hits the shot and she's like jumping up and down, just going crazy. Yeah. And it was like right in front of her team's bench too, which was like pretty cool. I, I assume <laughs> that guy was Nesson. She went right over for that post game interview. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. The game was on Nesson, so I guess a good game to be televised there. But but yeah, what a it was a good game. It was yeah. close the whole way. I mean, we saw Minute Woman had the lead for a lot of it. I'd have to pull up some stats, but I know um, I know George hit three threes, I think. So that that contributed to a good amount of the team's points. Yeah. And then, um, One coming at the end of the first mm-hmm. quarter, I think. Big energy booster. You know what was funny about that game, though, is I – again, I'm going to have to pull up stats here. But um, I, like, I feel like there weren't a whole lot of – like the bench, like the, there wasn't a whole lot of bench players involved other than pretty much Veloxi and Nelson. Uh, yeah, and at the time, I don't think Henny went in. I don't think she ever went in, to be honest. Um, and just thinking about some of the other players, I mean, I guess, um, no, I guess uh, McCormick came off the bench too. I don't yeah, think she, she got some time. So yeah, I guess like she played seventeen. Three minutes. solid bench players, uh, getting a lot, getting a, getting a decent amount of time is probably good enough. Uh, for this team, but it was just it was I actually, weird. I actually think Paige put up a couple shots that she kind of got robbed on. They went in and out a few times. Yeah, no, nah, she. It seemed like a lot of her shots rattled around the rim. And um, I think if they fell, they were gonna keep going to her too. I know. Yeah, she was. She was. Uh, she was pulling from behind the arc a lot, which we know that's pretty much why she's there. But um, who's who's the other one? I'm trying to think of her name right now. Uh, I I want to see. Uh, I'll have to look up the entire roster. She's a one of the part of the like fantastic Madison five or whatever. Lowry. Yeah, Madison Lowry. I want to see like her at least get minimal reps. Yeah. I don't know, even if it's like even if it's not a lot, I still want to see like what she can do. I think maybe that game was just not the right time. For yeah, no, that's to true. Her first, um, definitely like in a either blowout situation e- going either way. I'd yeah. like to see uh, what she has, just because I think she she stands in at like five eleven. I think which is pretty good for a guard in women's basketball. Yeah. So she definitely has, like, the height advantage. She's definitely able to elevate and get a good shot off, I want to see. And I, I guess, like, she, she made a ton of free, uh, three-pointers in high school, too. So that's kind of her, her specialty role. Yeah. Going back to the game a little bit, though, I feel like the, the first half we saw, like, that intense defense and the chippiness that was going on, and it kind of just, like, preluded to the second half, which was, like, so good. I know. Well, it was um, – I'm trying to think the, the short point guard for them, the smaller Genko? short guard. No, the uh, one – Clark. Stella Clark. Clark. Yeah, Stella Clark. She, she was big shots. She was really just gritty. Like, I feel like she was so f- – she wasn't, like, overly physical, but she just played, like, such close defense, and she wasn't really afraid yeah, to – she was trying to draw a lot of fouls, you could tell. Yeah, she wasn't afraid to get in the mix. And it, yeah, it worked. It kept working. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah, a lot there of offensive were, fouls in that yeah. game and a lot of travel calls. A lot of calls going – That's what I mean. It was just – Against you, like – Crazy you game. Know, going against UMass. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that one five-second call was iffy. Uh, Bree, mm-hmm. Bree, I think it was, picked up her dribble. The referees kind of were quick whistle. Oh, my God. Call Madison, five-second violation. It's a little bit of a tangent, but Madison Lowry actually stands in at 6-1, so – at guard, that's a lot taller than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely want to see her get in a game or two. Uh, she could be shooting over people. Get some reps, yeah. Obviously, she's still a freshman, but. Um, another 
topic to touch on too. Uh, Coach talked about it a little bit. Tough mm-hmm. to see Haley only get four points in that game in a big game like that. I feel like you, you definitely need to. I mean, Jess George kind of picked up the load and uh, had a big game, which you like to see. She's not usually knocking down that many. Jess threes. George. Yeah. Yeah. She seems more. She's always kind of been like the the role player, just sort of. And facilitating things on the court, but yeah, getting 15 points within herself too, not shooting too much, which no one did, but right. Um, yeah, coach just kind of talked about knocking down open shots, which I definitely would say is the thing that we took note of during the game just open opportunities and sometimes even open layups that they they kind of just were not making that you need to be making if yep. you want to win games on the road like that. And I think coach even said this too it's obviously they're going to learn from it and they're going to use it as fuel. Yeah. Going forward. Well, it's actually interesting. I'm looking at the point total on the season so far, and Brehampton Bay actually has one more point than Lydell, which yeah. is kind of crazy because you would there. expect nobody else to have more points than you know Lydell herself. And then Philoxy and George are aren't too far behind. But um, I guess I, I kind of want to look at minutes uh, because I think there's a pretty significant drop off after like the starting five and Philoxy and then because Philoxy is 182 minutes and then Henesis only has 108 so that's a good like 70 minute difference there between the two so after the starting five and then Philoxy it just kind of drops off then Henesis and then Nelson doesn't even have 100 minutes uh then McCormick obviously she was injured so 95 minutes for McCormick's actually pretty good for somebody that didn't play the first half like half of this season thus far yeah and then Perry, Lowry, and Sullivan are pretty much just there to add depth. So, yeah. Yeah. I also think that we see uh, Coach flip-flopping between um, centers with Soisel and Nelson a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's just still trying to seed things out and see Mm -hmm. who's going to be his go-to, but when I was interesting that they they do kind of – Flip flop. Yeah, and I was saying this yesterday. I guess I didn't realize that her her sister was on like the Notre Dame team that won the national championship last year. So she definitely has basketball blood like in her. I'm guessing her family just probably raised her and her sister to be really good at basketball. They're probably also tremendously talented and work really hard, but it definitely sort of runs in the family. It'll be interesting to see. I think she was part of the Fantastic Five. Yeah, she's a freshman, so she still has plenty of time here to develop, and you know they'll have Soisel here too for another potential four years. So they're they're definitely good in the the center position. I just think that they need some development, obviously. Yeah, and I think Asia made a big step the other day. Mm-hmm. She played really well. You could just see that she wasn't afraid to shoot the ball when she was shooting it. And she yeah, was she's actually getting fourth. herself in the right spots. Got a double digits in rebounding the other day. I know, but yeah, she's fourth in the team. Uh, fourth on the team in minutes. And then, I guess, looking at rebounds, I'm trying to see. I mean, offensive rebounds, she's got third most on the team, or the fourth most on the team. And then defensively, she's got the third most. So she's definitely able to go up and grab boards. She's not afraid to do that. Still, after these last two games, you have to just feel like the whole team's going to swing in a positive direction now. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up after those last Mm -hmm. two. Yeah, I mean, it's and tough. I think you just have to use it. It's tough. Looking at the road ahead, we have Incarnate Word coming to the Mullins uh, on Friday at 7. And then Boston University uh, the following Wednesday will also be at the Mullins. 
and then after that they go on the road for one game against Siena just two hours down the road in Ludenville, New Jersey, uh, New York, rather. So that's sort of a little bit of uh, a look ahead, the upcoming games. I think Incarnate Word, I think I remember them playing that team last year and not not getting too much trouble from them. Um, I want to see if I can find Incarnate Word's current record because... Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure they're not they're not too strong. If we look at the athletic schedule here, I can I can pull up the game from last year too. It's actually weird. It's they don't have women's listed as a sport on their web page, which is actually yeah they do. Sorry, it's on another tab. Last year, UMass won sixty four to sixty five. 64-65. Oh, actually, Incarnate Words 0-8 this year. <laughs> so that's All a right. little bit of a... <laughs> weren't very. They were 1-6 and six yeah, when we played to, them last year. So <laughs> To preface how their season is going, 0-8 uh, would be a good place to start. Uh, they have they got blown out last game 97-49 to by UT Arlington, and they actually play Minnesota before they come here. So uh, A little context for that game, too. Haley had 22 points last year on... 22. 7 of 11 shooting, so... They're in the SLC conference. I'm not sure what that stands for, but... Um, yeah. I, I, I think this will be... I think this is a good opportunity. You have four full days to prepare, or I guess three, three full days if you don't include um, today. And then, when you think about it, I mean, it could be uh, a really good confidence booster for them just to... You know, if they're able to blow the doors off Incarnate Word, then maybe they'll have a little bit more confidence going up against BU. And then, really, after that, you only play Siena, UMass, Lowell, and Marist before, you know, we ring in the new year, and that's when A-10 yeah. play gets going. And then you're going right up against St. Louis, which is a pretty powerful team. So I think against Incarnate Ward, they're going to come out firing, or they have to at least, because yeah. they haven't gotten to the best, best of starts in the past two games. And it's kind of hurt them a little bit. So I feel like yeah, you just you you hope they're just gonna they're gonna have to try to turn it up on them. I mean, UMass the clear favorites, but I mean, you just hope that Incarnate Word's not too hungry after dropping eight straight. Where you know sometimes teams that are on losing streaks that long just kind of get fed up, and you know they say enough is enough, and you know anything can really happen at that, uh, at that point. But obviously, UMass getting home field uh, home court advantage is another big plus and then I just think they shouldn't take it easy at all not that they will I think but I just think they need to just right, right. completely go all out the key the key would be to you know just really turn it turn around the the momentum yeah not 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 take incarnate word as an easy team um so that's all the time we have to preview UMass women's basketball we recapped a little bit of last game as well uh, we're going to get kicked out by news, but I want to thank Cam Seibert for joining us on the program today. Absolutely. Wish we could have gone a little longer. I'll be, I'll be back, though. Yeah, and uh, definitely. I'll be back, and you'll hear us on broadcast in the future. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue with the program. Thanks for tuning in. WMUA 91.1 FM. This is WMUA Sports. Show your UMass pride everywhere you go with a UMass Amherst special license plate. All proceeds benefit student scholarships and programs, and the special plate fee is tax deductible. Get all the details and order your plate at umassalumni.com. 
or call 800-456-UMASS. Remember to ride with UMass Pride. Hi, this is Coolio. I have it, you have it, we all have it. It's called blood. And every three seconds, someone needs blood. Each year, four million people need blood transfusions. You can help by becoming a blood donor. It's fast, simple, and safe. One donation from you can save up to three lives. Be a lifesaver. Call 1-866-FROM-YOU. That's 1-866-376-6968. Toll free to find out where you can donate and save a life today. You're listening to UMass Athletics on WMUA Sports. And welcome back into the studio, everybody. This is the Unbeaten Show on WMUA 91.1 FM. It is just about 11.15 here on a nice Tuesday morning, part of the sports block here at the station. Uh, If you were tuning in earlier, you heard Cam Seibert. He is also part of the women's basketball beat. Here at WMUA Sports, we're going to try to get him on as much as we can because he knows a lot about the team. He provides a lot of good analysis. He also covers a lot of our in-game broadcasts with me as well. You're going to be hearing some new voices, hopefully, as we're trying to get some other committee members involved in women's coverage. But that's about as much as we could get him on for during this show as we were unfortunately bumped out of the studio uh, due to the news department, our news department, who does a great job here. They need the studio from a certain time period to another certain time period. So Cam Seibert will no longer be on the show with us, but we will continue to talk UMass athletics. I think we covered the women's basketball team enough in the first half of this episode We sort of just talked about their game against Northeastern, and then we sort of previewed a little bit the upcoming matchup against Incarnate Word. That game will be played on Friday. We will also be broadcasting that, so you're going to want to tune in to WMUA to listen to that game as well. And with that being said, I'm going to sort of transition a little bit into hockey, UMass hockey. I don't know if you guys don't know, but this UMass team... Number one in the country. That's pretty darn impressive. Um, I think today they were ranked, it came out around 11 or 12 that um, UMass Hockey was ranked number one in the country. First time in program history. I believe it's the first time a UMass team has been ranked number one since lacrosse was ranked uh first in the country and that was back in 2012 uh the men's basketball team was also ranked i believe in 96 with camby and calipari part of that sort of uh duo that ran umass basketball in the late 90s mid to late 90s and um yeah i mean it's not too often that your team your school's team, I should say, rather, is better than every other program in the nation. So the 
U.S. College Hockey Organization.com or whatever it stands for, U.S. Uh, com. Their rankings come out every pretty much Monday morning. They pretty much evaluate all the weekend games and you know the the games that the few games that were played during that week. And UMass, who went undefeated in November, makes a really solid case for first place. They got 26 first place votes. Uh, St. Cloud State is ranked number two right now. They got 22 first place votes. Massachusetts is now 12-1-0 on the season. Incredible. St. Cloud State is 11-1-2. They're the you know the next team under us. They were the former number one, and UMass bumped them out. So as it stands, top five seeds in the nation: Massachusetts, St. Cloud State, Minnesota State, Minnesota Duluth, and Notre Dame. Pretty crazy to think that you know out of those five, three of them are Minnesota teams, and. Right now, I mean, we'll, let's see. We'll count how many Hockey East teams are in right now. Massachusetts. We also have... I can't remember. I think Quinnipiac is Hockey East. Maybe not. Quinnipiac is also really competitive. Uh, Providence is ranked 10th. Northeastern is ranked 13th. And that's about it right now. I'm surprised, you know, BCBU not currently ranked... Uh, I know there's a good amount of teams in Hockey East right now who have players that aren't, you know, up to full health. And that's probably the reason. I mean, you don't want to say it's the, you know, you don't want to say it's the sole reason why UMass is dominating Hockey East because it's not. I mean, they're they're still winning against competitive non-conference teams like, you know, the the split series that they had in Ohio and you know, a plethora of other teams that they've they've taken on and had a great amount of success against. So, next up-and-coming game, Saturday against Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac ranked 8th, like I just mentioned. So, it'll be the number 1 seed versus the number 8, or the number 1 ranked team versus the number 8 ranked team here in Amherst, Mullen Center. I, and I'm just astonished because, honestly, I, I heard that the last hockey game brought in just over 7,000 fans. The Mullen Center holds about 9,500, 9.5,000. And if they're getting in just over 7,000, I mean, it's it's crazy to think. my I mean, my freshman year, which is last year, so last year, you know, I went to a game where they were lucky to fill the fan section and then everything else was pretty much just empty. So I couldn't... I don't see a scenario where they don't fill the Mullins Center on Saturday night. I just think that having a number one team in the country, even if you know you're not a big hockey fan, and I'm, I'm, I think a lot of kids here are. I mean, it's New England. This is Hockey East. This is Massachusetts. You know, we've sort of uh, Massachusetts University of Massachusetts has always sort of you know been little brother to these powerhouse teams like UMass Lowell. And Boston University, Northeastern, Boston College. So many, so many competitive teams, not only in uh, Hockey East and New England, but in literally in Massachusetts, there are a ton of great uh, college hockey teams. So finally, it's UMass's time to shine. This is a team that won five games just two years ago. 
They really turned the program around last year, and now they're twelve. They've won. They've lost one game. They're twelve and one. So, I mean, it's it it is a little surprising how quick. Not only how quickly they've turned around the team, but how quickly they've built up a fan base. I mean, you don't want to say people are bandwagon, but it's like, and you know that's the wrong mentality because at the end of the day, you want to put people's butts in chairs. You know, you want to you want to have the most eyes on your team, get the most attention for your team possible. So, you know, I'm I'm perfectly fine with just everyone showing out now because you know, why would you expect people to go to a hockey team that won last year that won 5 games the prior year? So, you know, with with between Kale and Mario and Leonard and Chikarov, just to name a few NHL prospects and then between between those NHL prospects and the new freshman guys, you know, like Farmer and the Delgazo brothers and or the Delgazo brothers and, you know, the the rest of that incoming squad, I you know, it's it's exciting to it's exciting to be around and I would expect people to show out, you know. It doesn't it doesn't take a diehard hockey fan to, you know, hear from anybody that knows about UMass hockey. And for them to tell tell the person that doesn't know a lot about hockey, like, hey, did you know that our team is ranked number one in the country? Like, even if you're not a big hockey fan, you would think that that person would want to go check it out. It's like, wow, that puts things into perspective, you know. Uh, how can I not go see something that's the best in our nation right now on our campus? You know, just a just that quarter of a mile walk down the street to the Mullins, so... You know, it holds 9,000, why not fill it? You know, it's one of the bigger venues in Hockey East. Not even, I mean, not even the Connie Forum, Matthews. Um, trying to name, think of a few other venues here. But a- anyway, it's uh, one of the bigger arenas in Hockey East, if not, you know, the largest. So why not fill it, you know? it's I really do, I really do think they're going to fill it on Saturday night. I don't see a scenario where they don't. I mean, especially if, you know, ranked number three, they were filling it to seven, just over 7,000. You know, I would think that the number one ranking will be just enough to, you know, get those last 2,000 fans in and really fill the arena. And I mean, when I first found out or when I first decided that I was coming here to Massachusetts, I remember looking up clips on YouTube and it was from probably... 2007 or something along those lines. It was probably one of those years that Jonathan Quick was here, and I found a clip on YouTube of UMass hockey, and it was it was them after them scoring a goal in a playoff uh, in a playoff game, and whoever was in the crowd just took a video of like the the fan the the Mullins going crazy after a goal, and I remember they panned across the crowd, and the Mullins Center was pretty much like nearly full, and I remember thinking like, oh, that must be the norm, you know, uh, they must really pack it. Uh, for hockey games and then you know I get here last year which is just one year removed from losing I mean uh, winning only five games and rightfully so you know I didn't really put things into perspective but rightfully so they weren't attracting large crowds and I think that you know it's it's becoming the new standard again to get a ton and a ton of fans out to these hockey games it's it's cool to see it sort of, because I remember I was disappointed last year being like, oh, I guess this isn't the norm. 
they can barely fill the moans. And now it's like, it's almost like that dream has been, that dream of mine to attend a college hockey game that has almost 10,000 people in attendance is finally going to come true because, you know, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it seems like they haven't had something this special in a long time. And I mean, clearly because they're, when they were ranked third, that was the, when they were ranked fourth, that was the highest in program history. When they were ranked third, it was the highest in program history. And now ranks number one, as you can imagine, this has never happened before. So really, really exciting stuff sitting at the top of Hockey East. You hope they can, you know, sustain it and do as much as they can to, you know, keep their players healthy. And then when the rest of Hockey East starts to, you know, potentially pick things up, their guys start to get healthier. You hope that, you know, UMass can just run with the pack because they do have a confident, young, talented team. So, you know, with that being said, that pretty much wraps up today's episode. I want to thank all you guys for listening. We'll be back here Next Tuesday, same exact time, 11 a.m., and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Thank you for listening in. WMUA 91.1 FM.